You are listening to episode number 77 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. What is up, everybody? This is Gordon, and this is episode number 77 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. And today's topic is going to be on something a little bit more specific than usual. This is going to be tailored specifically for people who are interested in or are already participating in the Amazon Merch program. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I get a lot of questions about Amazon Merch and how to grow it and what sort of tactics both in the actual graphic design and tactics in the like concept, uh, niche design, niche finding uh, type of stuff do I use to, uh, to create shirts that sell. And uh, before I get into it, I, I want to point out that I am not like an expert merch seller, uh, but I do well. And here's the thing. I see merch as I'm not trying to make merch a career. Um, I I know several people that do. I know several people that make uh, multiple like five figures and in some cases six figures a year just selling t-shirts on Amazon merch, which is awesome. Keep in mind, in order to do that, there is a tremendous amount of work that goes into that. So it's not like you just throw some shirts up they sell a thousand a day and you make six figures. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, because of that, that is the reason why I don't want to make merch a huge, huge, huge income for me because I know what kind of effort goes into it. And I've got some other things going on that I'm a little bit more interested in investing my, uh, my free time and my energy into. So uh, with that being said, I have been able to generate enough monthly from merch with very, very little time invested uh, to pay, let's like a couple car payments, insurance, um, some pretty big bills. So, you know, if that's something that interests you, if you are a parent or if you're working already a nine to five job and you want to make an extra thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred bucks a month with just a couple hours a week, literally a couple hours a week of work, uh, this might be the right program for you. So if you're already selling on merch or you already have been approved to sell on merch, then that's awesome. Some of this stuff will apply to you immediately. If you are not already selling on merch or if you have not applied, or I guess even if you're waiting to be accepted, uh, this stuff will still apply, but it's not something you're going to necessarily be able to take action on today. Uh, you still will, but you won't be able to put it all into practice today. Uh, but it's it's still something that you can take and use in your planning strategy for when you do get accepted. Okay, so the first thing I want to point out is that Amazon Merch can be viewed a couple different ways. Uh, one of those ways is putting up shirts of extremely high quality and making sure that every single one has tons and tons of like detail and really well thought out designs, really well thought out captions and like top level graphic design. Um, that's one approach. Okay. And then the other approach is, or one of the other approaches is, um, numbers, like basically a numbers game, throw up as many shirts as you can 
and not necessarily care so much about the quality, not care so much about the thought that went into the design, not care so much about some of the creative aspects of it. Uh, and then I guess there's a third approach, which is a nice blend of the, the two. Um, I personally live between the middle and on that very first like approach that I mentioned, which was um, like the higher quality, well thought out type of uh, type of designs. So I personally would never recommend that you go the numbers game and throw up a bunch of crap. I think that's a bad play. And I think you're going to end up pissing off a lot of customers. And I think you're going to ultimately have customers return a lot of shirts or cancel them or uh, what's worse is just no sales. All right. So uh, on the flip side of that, having extremely high quality graphic design and extremely well thought out um, creative strategies for what you put on your shirts for content it takes a lot of time. Like I know some people that will spend multiple hours on each shirt and that is a little extreme. Um, I can tell you that on average, I spend no more than about 20 minutes designing a shirt. Uh, and then if I outsource them, which I often do, my designer can do most of my designs that I have him do for me, uh, in like under six or seven minutes. So, you know, it's, it really comes down to having a nice design and a cool, interesting, you know, somewhat unique sort of approach to the design concept. Um, once you have those elements and you can articulate them to a designer, uh, someone who's a master of Photoshop or a master of uh, Adobe Illustrator or something, they're going to be able to make these designs for you in a lot less time. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, right? That's, that's outsourcing shirts, uh, which I have talked about in the past, but I'll bring it up again. Um, okay. So those are, those are kind of the approaches that all the sellers that I've ever met take to, to creating shirts. They're super high quality, uh, take a long time, really expensive pricing. Usually, uh, there's middle of the road, which is like a blend of having a lot of shirts with, you know, kind of creative, um, con concepts and, you know, cool typography and everything, but nothing too crazy. And then there's bottom of the barrel, you know, crap designs, <laughs> There's really no thought put into it. You can tell by looking at them, there's no thought part in, put into it. And they just throw up tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of shirts. So they always have all the max slots full. Um, again, kind of pick the one that you think you will fit into best. I don't recommend the bottom. But anyway, uh, I do use one tool to come up with concepts. And that tool is called Merchant Former. Uh, I have talked about Merchant Former before on the podcast. I have interviewed the founder of Merchant Former, Neil Lassen, on the podcast before. Super cool dude. Um, I use it. They don't pay me to talk about it, but I do use it. And because I use it, I have no problem talking about it. It's a pretty cool web tool. It's not something you have to download. You just go to the website, you log in. And when you log in, what you're looking at is, is this. You have a dashboard uh, that dashboard has a number of different options. One of those options is like merchant search. One of those options is product search. One of those options is trademark search. And what the tool really allows you to do in general at the highest level is search all products by merchant name. Uh, you can search 
product ideas by name of the, the product itself, the design. So as an example of that, you can type in, um, I don't know, like hockey shirt and you can see all the top hockey shirts. You can sort them by BSR and that's pretty cool. Cause I can kind of tell you which ones are selling at a viral level, you know, like, like dozens a day, or you can see the ones that are, you know, kind of base hits selling one a day, one every other day, stuff like that. Uh, also it allows you to, like I said earlier, there's a trademark check. It allows you to check all of your designs right there all at once. I think you can input 8,000 at a time and it will do a trademark check on all of them. And if the trademark uh, registry says that this already exists, it'll put a big red X right there. And, uh, that is your indication to not go ahead and try to upload that. Uh, and if, you know, for the, the reason is I, don't, I haven't gotten into this, but if you try to upload or if you do squeak through the Amazon review process with a shirt that's trademarked, they can take down your shirt, they can suspend you, or they can terminate your account. So, uh, all the more reason to use something like that. Trademark your shirts every time. All right. So I do use Merch Informer. I recommend at least checking it out. I think there's a three day trial. If you go over to their website, uh, merchinformer.com. And I do use that. Now I don't use it for every design and I don't think you have to use a tool like Merch Informer, especially when you're just starting out. You can, it'll absolutely help you. Merch Informer will make you more money straight up period, but you don't have to use it. Uh, it, it's not required to start generating sales. So when I first started merch, I didn't use merch informer. I'm not even sure if it was really out yet. Um, uh, when I first started, I thought of some designs on, all on my own and I picked the designs based on popular ideas, things going on in pop, pop culture, things going on in sports, things going on, uh, in music and stuff I was interested in. Now, this was good for one reason. I didn't have to pay money to come up with designs. I didn't have to pay money to like research what the top sellers were, stuff like that. Uh, the downside, oh, I guess the other upside is <laughs> it all, uh, it all, all these designs ended up being things that I was into. So, you know, I was cool. I was more interested in it at the time because of that. Uh, but the problem is because I didn't use a tool like Merge Informer. I had no clue how well shirts in these niches were selling. And I went and had some shirts made. And honestly, uh, at the end of the day, I think the first 25 I put up, only about four or five of them actually sold. And of those four or five, I think only two sold in quantities that were kind of worthwhile. Um, either way, you know, I, I got sales and, you know, it was cool. Uh, but that is not a strategy I would recommend. In other words, I wouldn't take things that you are interested in, like concepts, ideas, things that you're passionate about. Let's say you're passionate about knitting. I wouldn't just go make a bunch of knitting shirts without at least checking out what's going on on Amazon right now for knitting shirts. Um, and then best case scenario is you go use an actual tool that has data and analytics like Merch Informer. That'll tell you for real if something with knitting is actually selling. Um, before I go into my next thing, I want to talk a little bit more about trying to find out what's selling and what's not and why I think that's important. Um, obviously, if something's not selling on Amazon, 
and there is no presence of that product on Amazon, that doesn't mean that if you put it up there, it's not going to sell. Because that, that could very well mean that no one has introduced that topic or that idea into the market on Amazon. And so if it doesn't exist, then it's not going to be selling, right? Obviously. Um, or if no one has made a shirt in that niche in the way that you want to make one, then obviously it wouldn't be selling. Uh, the reason I recommend though is that people look for things that are already selling or, or niches that are already selling or something is because it takes a lot of the work out of it. And merch is intended in my, for me, for me specifically. Uh, and, and I, I'm sure this resonates with a few of you. I'm using merch to try and generate an extra four figures, you know, maybe five figures someday, um, of, of money, of cash, of income per month. And I'm not trying to make a career out of this. So I don't want to create a brand new brand or a brand new niche from scratch on Amazon merch, uh, because chances are the first one's not going to work out. And then you're going to be kind of moving on to the next one and the next one and the next one. And all of that is great. And you could actually turn that into something real if that's what you're passionate about, if that's what you want to do. I didn't want to do that, so I'm not doing that. And if you're not interested in doing that, something like Merch Informer is the right place to go because it tells you exactly what's selling, what niches are hot, what niches are, are middle of the road where you could actually go in there and carve out your own you know, piece. Um, so again, just another, <laughs> I'm not trying to push that app, but I think it's incredibly helpful. And I think it's like 10 bucks a month which in my opinion is worth it. I think I've, I've probably made, I've probably made thousands of dollars just off the feedback and the data that I've gotten from Merch Informer. So I've probably paid Merch Informer over a year, 120 bucks and I've made thousands. So it's a pretty big return. Anyway, back to finding categories, right? I don't recommend picking things that you're just into because just because you're into it doesn't mean other people are going to be into it. The market's the market and you are you. Um, however, there's some things that I think most people have a pretty good idea would be big sellers or not big sellers. Um, and one of the things that's continuously a big seller in pretty much every product category, including t-shirts is seasonal stuff, sports stuff, holiday stuff, and anything that's wildly popular at the time, like, uh, like CrossFit, you know, that that's extremely popular. Those sell a lot, uh, beer, fishing activities that are just kind of widely accepted as extremely popular off-roading, um, hunting, gaming, like computer gaming or tabletop gaming. That stuff is huge. Um, even reading these, these are things that are just really popular. And if you ask around, you'll figure out that a lot of people are into a lot of this stuff. Um, so that's one way to start to get ideas is to take one of those big, like big topics, start with holidays, for example. Um, this is being recorded in October. And when you listen to this, it's going to be October 3rd. Uh, if you listen to it on the day that it airs. So we have some holidays coming up. We have Halloween. We've got Thanksgiving, we've got Christmas, we've got New Year's, we've got uh, Hanukkah, 
right? And and the list goes on. There's there's a ton of holidays coming up. Uh, at the same time, there's a change of the seasons happening. So there's tons of opportunities there. And, you know, while holidays are good, I want to break down a, I want to show you how I would break down a category like sports. Okay. Sports is huge. Everyone who has a kid, uh, has probably put their kid in sports or thought about it, or, um, you know, maybe they tried it, took them out, whatever. It's just a big part. Now, since this is the Fit Successful Dad podcast, uh, there's a lot of parents that do listen to this. Chances are you've been in in this position. So anyway, sports, right? Um, You can take sports and you can break it down into seasons. You got fall, winter, spring, summer. Okay. So you've got all those sports already that you can, if you start making a tree, right? And you go top to bottom, you've got sports at the top. Then you've got sports seasons. Then you break it down four ways into those four seasons. Then you keep going. Each of those four seasons can be broken down into youth sports for that season and adult sports for that season. Uh, And if you want to make a third leg, you could put pro sports in that season. And then you break those down and you go to male and female, boys and girls. Um, You know, especially at the young age, younger ages, like kids' ages, there is boys' sports and girls' sports that are actually you know, gender specific, like my son played on a boys soccer team, but at the same time, he's on a, he's on a hockey team that has girls, but there is a girls only hockey team. So, you know, you can, you can go that route and all those people, all those parents of those kids, for example, they're passionate about the fact that their kid is in a sport and they might want to wear a t-shirt that says something trendy or cool or unique or whatever funny about how their daughter is on a hockey team with a bunch of boys or, you know, (laughs) don't let the smile fool you. My daughter has, you know, leads the team in penalty minutes or something like that. Like you could, you could come up with just about anything um, and just be a little creative around one of these things. And so if you keep filling out that tree, right, you end up with the four seasons and then each season has a bunch of different sports. And then each of those sports can be split up into youth and, and adult and pro probably. And then each of those can be split up into gender. And then all of a sudden you you don't just have just one niche anymore. You don't just have like the basketball niche or the hockey niche. Now you've got like, you've really got like 20 niches, right? And all of them have a customer base. It might be small. I mean, it could be non-existent, I guess, but if you don't try to put something in each of those categories, you'll never really know. Now, if you had something like Merch Informer, you could go in and you could investigate all these little sub-niches that you just created. I took the category of sports and I literally just made like 40 different niches out of it across all the seasons, genders, age groups, whatever. And uh, with all those niches, you can go investigate those on something like Merch Informer, or you can go into Amazon and you can type those, those things in titles that you think might be what someone else would call it. And you can find out that way. You can see, uh, what the BSR is and you can try to get an idea that way. Speaking of BSR, uh, I'm just going to throw this in before I forget. Um, Amazon merch shirts in general sell about one per day at the BSR number of 100,000. So if you go in and you're looking at a shirt on Amazon and it's a merch by Amazon shirt, it will have a sales rank. And if that sales rank is floating around a hundred thousand on average, that sells about 30 a month or one shirt per day. So keep that in mind. 
And so when you're looking at all these new shirt niches that you just created, you know, if one of them has a, a, a sales rank of 50,000, then you know it probably sells like two a day or more. And if it has a sales rank, another one has a sales rank of 500,000, you know, then it might sell a couple a month kind of thing. So, you know, it's, it's a good indication. Um, but that is how I would explore new niche ideas. I would literally, and I've done this, I do this all the time actually. I would make a list. Uh, I like to use paper. <laughs> Most of what I do is with paper and a pen. Um, I would make a list of things that are are huge, right? Extremely popular. And I go there because I know that things that are wildly popular are going to draw some attention. I don't know if it's going to be a lot, and I let Merch Informer help me with that, but I make a list. It all starts with a list of things that are huge, popular, right? Wildly popular. And then I break it down from there and I create sub niches. And over the last year or so, I've probably, I've literally probably made 500 sub niches, right? And some of them I've gone to make shirts for. Some of them I haven't. Um, the reason I have for the ones I did is probably because Merchant Former said it was a good idea data wise. And some of them uh, came back with zero results on Merchant Former, right? So that's a good, that's a good gauge right there. But also, uh, there were times when Merchant Former said this one is not going to work out. And I went and I made shirts and I put it up there and, you know, I got a couple of sales, which is fine. And I think what I did was I disrupted that particular niche or those particular niches by creating something that was a little bit different, a little bit more unique, and maybe appealed to a different type of person within that niche, if that makes any sense. And that worked out really well. You know, I hate to say it, but there's there's always going to be this element of you just don't know. And no matter what tools you use to tell you what kind of data and analytics, you, you really don't know for sure no matter what until you try it and test the market. Because, you know, the market is the market and there's really nothing anyone can do to predict that. There's nothing anyone can do to change that. So I would say, uh, and I know I, I'm going to preach what I practice, is that being creative in concept is the number one thing. Um, I would never go into a category that's already saturated like crazy and I wouldn't put shirts in there because there's so much viral activity already. Like that's not a good reason. And I'm going to give you an example. Um, back in August when the, uh, the solar eclipse took place, you know, there was a bunch of shirts on Amazon that were selling like 50, 60, 70, 80, a hundred a day in some cases a day right? That's like 500, 600, $700 a day in royalties. And these shirts would have like a picture of a, of an eclipse happening. And then the date, I think it was August 21st or something. And then maybe list one of the States, right? So there was like a, I think Oregon was one of the major States, uh, that the eclipse was going to be able to be fully seen. So there was a lot of Oregon, um, eclipse t-shirts and the top ones all sold a ton right huge quantities um, but there were some <laughs> that were equally as cool in design but they were just introduced too late and they could never get visibility um, and that's what happens with viral shirts so another example of that was uh, earlier this summer maybe the spring of 2017 um, Donald Trump, he tweeted something like, 
I don't even know how to say it out, like how to pronounce the word. It was a typo or something. And he wrote like Kofefe or something. It was C-O-V-F-E-F-E, I think. It was in a tweet. I don't even really know what it means. And the tweet made no sense. But anyway, everyone latched onto that. And within 24 hours, there was like a hundred different shirts that said uh, that. Said that. And <laughs> uh, the top ones did same thing. They did like 70, 80, a hundred shirts a day in some cases. Uh, that was very short lived. But after that first 24 hour period, it went from a hundred shirts being on merch with that design to probably like 10,000, like every single merch seller, it seemed like made at least one. And, uh, you know, they didn't like the, after the first 10, 12, 15 hits on the, um, on the website when you typed in that, you know, coffee shirt or whatever. Uh, none of the ones below like the top 10 or 15 had any sales, you know, like maybe one or two, but not enough to, to be worth the time. So, um, my point is on that is to not go where there's already viral activity because you're not, you're coming in too late. If it's already viral, you're too late. If you can, be the, the trendsetter, that's great. That's how you're going to get viral sales on something, but you can never go into a saturated market that's pushing tons and tons of, um, of shirts and expect to jump right in and do sales like the, the top sellers. It's just not going to happen. Um, so that brings me back to my point, which I, before I went off on this whole viral thing is to be creative in concept. Okay. You, you need to be creative in concept. That doesn't mean you need to be awesome at like the actual specific detailed design. It means to be creative in concept. I remember not that long ago, I saw a design that was doing really, really well. And it was a, it was an LGBT shirt, right? Uh, gay, lesbian, transgender shirt. And it was, it was a unicorn like silhouette. And inside the unicorn, there was uh, the colors of the pride flag. And I think they were kind of done in a spirally kind of uh, appearance. So it was kind of like, I don't know, like artistically, it just looked cool. But um, in the description, it said something and, and, I, and I get it. And it was like, you know, because unicorns are supposed to signify rare, you know, like, just un- uncanny, rare, mystical kind of uh, stuff. And then it was right around the time of the uh, the LGBT um, parade. And there was a lot of stuff going on in the media at the time. I think that was just coincidence, though. Um, and the creativity came in the fact that... Um, and uh, they, they combined this with their keywords. But the creativity came in by having a unicorn... Uh, there's a ton of unicorn shirts. I get it. But unicorns, again, they're supposed to signify, you know, these things that are rare. It's like the end of the rainbow, right? You never, <laughs> it's supposed to not be real. And the description and the keywords were phrased such that, um, you know, people who support and people who are participate in and people who are part of the pride community and the LGBT community are all unicorns. And they're rare and they're amazing and they're you know, fantastic and all this stuff. And, um, they basically tied unicorns to the LGBT community and that in itself is creative. And the whole shirt appearance was, was both of those two things. It was, 
it was like a cool kind of like fantasy looking unicorn, but it had uh, the pride colors. So it tied both together and it was appealing to everybody who had even the slightest interest in LGBT for whatever reason, whether they had like a brother, sister, cousin, friend, parent, whatever, um, who might've been like a member of that community, or maybe they just supported it cause they just supported it. Or maybe they liked unicorns and, you know, they kind of saw the whole rallying of, of the LGBT community behind it, whatever they jumped on it. Um, the thing is there's, there's a million LGBT shirts on Amazon and there's a million unicorn shirts on Amazon. They don't all sell. Right. This one, it didn't start a trend. It didn't start a niche. There was, there's not really an LGBT niche. I mean, I guess there kind of is, but people have been selling those shirts on Amazon for, for years, way before merch came out. And people have been selling unicorn shirts on Amazon way before merch came out. But this one rose to the top and it rose to the top because it was extremely creative. The graphic design itself was, it was interesting and it was cool, but it wasn't like, it wasn't that crazy. It wasn't like a radically new design thing. They just, you know, they took a simple silhouette of a unicorn and put rainbow colors in it and kind of added a spiral blur effect uh, with Photoshop or something. It probably took 20 minutes to make and it didn't even have any words. <laughs> and uh, and it was it was a huge seller. So that, that's just one example of how to take um, something and be creative with it. Another one, and I'm sure by now everyone has seen something like this. If you've spent any time on Amazon looking at shirts, um, the fishing niche is pretty popular. I don't have any shirts in fishing. Um, but a few years ago, someone took the American flag and they substituted one of the stripes with a fishing pole. (laughs) Super simple, right? That has exploded and turned into almost a niche in itself. Uh, the whole taking the American flag, pulling one stripe out and putting something else in place of that stripe. Um, those all sell a lot. Uh, now (laughs) if you try to jump into any of those, you probably won't get any sales because they're already consumed and they're already taking sales. But I've seen people take that exact same design, remove a stripe and replace it with a hockey stick, a baseball bat, a lacrosse stick, uh, a field hockey stick, like a girl's field hockey stick, a tennis racket, pretty much anything in sports that has like a, like a long, uh, you know, handle or whatever, um, a guitar, a bass, a microphone, really anything you can you can imagine uh i've even seen uh the stripes removed and replaced with hot dog tongs and a spatula right and it was like a grilling niche and those things all sell right all that is that's a creative approach to basically saying i'm an american you know i'm a red-blooded american i support america i'm a patriot and i love grilling or i'm a patriotic American and I love fishing. I'm a patriotic American and I love baseball. I'm a patriotic American and I love playing the guitar. So you're, you're catering to the market at that point. You're catering to the person. And those are the shirts that are always going to do the best. The problem is there's so many out there that most merch sellers think they can jump in and make the exact same shirt that someone else is selling, maybe change the color or something, and that's going to be enough. That's not enough. What I'm giving you is information on how the original creative people uh, come up with these 
things, like what, what they do and how out of the box they do these things and why they sell, right? So I have a couple niches that sell really, really well. I'm not going to describe them because I, I already have a few copycats out there that are trying to compete and so far they're failing, which is cool. Uh, but I just don't want to introduce more copycats and I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying, um, you do have to protect your own designs. So anyway, my shirts, my biggest selling shirts, uh, my biggest selling niches actually are full of shirts that are a very, very basic design using shapes and text that you have all seen and you have all probably seen uh, on a regular basis your entire life. And all I did was, and I, I found this through testing, by the way, this isn't something that I just came up with because I'm so awesome. This was through testing. This was through several months of failed niches before I found ones that worked really well. Um, and what I did for most of my, <clears throat> my biggest sellers, which are, some of them are two, three, four a day. Um, you know, like, uh, 90 to a hundred something a month. So what I did was I created, uh, a design that had a basic shape, basic text. I put a certain effect on it that no one has done yet. That's the thing. No one had done it yet. And I put that on, on Amazon and I really targeted my keywords, which I'll talk about in a minute, uh, to be very, very specific to a target market that I wanted to cater to. And then what happened? I started getting a sale here, a sale there, traction picked up. Amazon all of a sudden puts my shirt near the top of the ranking because I'm getting more sales. And then I started getting reviews on some of these shirts. And once you get reviews, you pretty much instantly get thrown to the top of the search rankings. And then you get more reviews. And then once you get more reviews, you can actually increase your price. Um, so that's what I did. I did it over and over and over again. And again, my... Uh, even though, you know, I use something like Merchant Former to tell me what ones would be relatively good sellers and which ones wouldn't, uh, I still, I try them all. Some failed, some didn't. Um, the ones that did, I just kept f like feeding. I would create new variations and just pump them right into the marketplace with, uh, some slight changes here and there, different text, different colors, whatever. And that's how you build a niche. That's literally how you do it. That's how I've done it. That's how everyone I know who's been successful has done it. You know, they, they find one that sells really well and then they just keep adding products to that product line. Basically a niche you can think of as a product line. And as soon as you get one to sell really well, you just keep adding to the product line. And if you want to, you can make them all the same brand name. And if you make them all the same brand name, then you actually have repeat customers come back. Uh, and the only reason I know this is because people talk about it in their reviews. So unfortunately there's no way to really track, uh, what a customer does on Amazon merch. You only know through reviews, you can't contact them. Um, they can contact you, I think, but, uh, no one ever has, and you can't look at any of that sales data. So you really don't know. Um, uh, but if you, if you know, I trust the reviews and some of the reviews have said, this is my second time buying from this seller or whatever. And once that type of thing happens and those reviews pop up, then you start really getting more sales because it's almost like you're creating a little bit of a community around your niche, which is kind of cool. Um, but anyway, I want to talk about keywords. Okay. So 
Uh, in Amazon merch listings, if you haven't looked at them before, you have a brand name for each listing, you have a title for each listing, and you have two bullet points for each listing, and then ultimately at the end you have a description for each listing. As far as keywords go, I would recommend figuring out based on your design what your keywords are for that design. So if you're making a tennis shirt, then you should use the word tennis, racket, ball, I don't know, court, uh, something like that, net, um, serve, backhand, like all those things. You should try to use as many of those creatively (laughs) and logically in as many fields on your listing as possible. Okay, so a tennis shirt with a tennis racket and a ball uh, with like a tennis net in the background or something. I don't know tennis, by the way. So if my vocabulary is off, you know, chalk it up to that. Anyway, the title, you might want to make something like, uh, I don't know, cool outdoor tennis racket and net t-shirt, something like that. And then in the description, you should write your description and talk about what someone who loves tennis would love about this shirt. Uh, I like to usually use a question in my descriptions, so or in my uh, bullet points. You know, like, are you more comfortable on the tennis uh, court? Um, I don't know, throwing serves all day or something like that. Then you are uh, in the office. I don't know, something like that. You know, just basically ask a question that a tennis enthusiast would obviously answer as yes. <laughs> and then go on to talk about what in the shirt is cool about it. You know, like if it's, uh, you could talk about how awesome it is to love tennis and to love stringing up your racket and serving and backhanding and uh, trying to hit the the far corner of the paint, stuff like that. You know, talk about all those things in the bullet points. And then um, personally, like there's been a lot of discussion in the merch communities and stuff on what people do with the description field. I personally take my bullet points, both of them, and I copy and paste them into the description field. That has worked very well for me. Um, No one really knows how the trafficking works on Amazon merch, but the suspicion, and my data pretty much supports this, is that what is in your title, what is in your brand name, and what is in your bullet points dominates everything. And if you have keywords that you want to rank for, you kind of need to put them in all four of those fields. Title, brand, bullet A, and bullet B. Um, so definitely do that. And then if you really want some ideas on how to make some awesome bullet points and awesome descriptions and stuff, um, go on, you can do this for free. This costs nothing. Go on merchinformer.com, right? Sign up for the, the free three-day trial. Check out the, uh, I think it's the product search field. And just look at the top like 1,000 or whatever, top uh, 100,000 shirts or something. Like the, basically the top sellers. See what the top sellers are doing. And you can't look at just one. You need to look at like a good 10, 15, maybe 20 shirts because some of them are top sellers just because of like the viral picture that's on it or something. But uh, you need to look at like the ones that are, 
more like the 50,000 to 100,000 range, the ones that sell like one or two a day, because those are the base hits. Those are the ones that people buy because of the keywords and because of the way it returns in the search results. And that is a great place to start. So if you're, if you're not sure what to do with keywords, again, go check those out or even just go to Amazon and search for shirts and, and filter them by uh, sales rank. And that will also give you the same data. Okay. It just, you won't be able to do as much in terms of like search specific curtailing. So, all right. So again, this is going to be airing on October 3rd, which means we're in the fourth quarter. And if you are already selling on merch, you can put some of this stuff in practice immediately. Um, if history repeats itself, then merch will not be allowing design uploads, uh, beginning sometime in November. So I would try to hammer out as many as you can between now and uh, November. So you have almost a month, which means you can get up to probably 270, 280 designs put into merch. Um, if you, you know, depending on how many you can do a day, but if you're doing 10 a day or something, you can do, you know, the next 27, 28 days, uh, which is a lot of designs. And then those should stay there all the way through the fourth quarter. Um, again, as far as uh, fourth quarter goes, uh, rule of thumb is you should be doing somewhere between four and five X your normal average monthly sales on fourth quarter. Now that's not going to be a hard and fast rule or anything, but in general, that's how numbers look for most people. So I'm expecting to do about that, about five X. Um, for me, that's probably going to be no more than, um, about maybe seven to eight thousand dollars roughly in royalties uh in the month of december so you know i don't know we'll see how november goes november should be a little bit higher than usual too uh, but in general the fourth quarter is where a lot of sales happen so if you are already selling then this is kind of your opportunity to make sure you get all of your design slots filled um hopefully you have a little bit of a boost of inspiration to try and come up with some cool, creative, unique designs. And if they are tailored around things that are kind of pertinent to the fourth quarter or winter or even fall um, and things related to those seasons, you might also have a higher chance of increasing your sales volume, which is always nice. So uh, with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode and... Again, I don't view merch for my situation as something that is going to be a career. I view merch as sort of a, almost like an evergreen type of revenue stream in addition to other things. And I don't put more than two hours a week, maybe three tops into merch. Uh, so let's just for the sake of the conversation, say about 12 hours max a month. And I make over four figures a month. So on average, you know, that's a thousand, 1200 a month. You know, it's, it's enough that I can justify doing it. And it's a, a good way to funnel money into some of the other things that I'm doing because that's ultimately where it goes is an investment stream almost uh, for the bigger brand that I'm building, which is Sobam Gear Company. Um, so, but 
for a lot of people, merch is an awesome opportunity to, like I said earlier, uh, get that car payment or that insurance or that student loan or something paid off with a stream that is totally independent, totally separate from, let's say, your day job or your normal business or whatever other income stream you're using as primary like household income. Uh, so again, wrap up this episode. And if you got value out of this at all, or if you know somebody who would benefit from hearing some of the merch strategies that I'm using and some of the things that I've learned from talking to people like the founder of Merch Informer and Glenn Zubia of Hustler Hacks and the Merch Minds podcast, please share this with them. Uh, we can be found on iTunes. We can be found on our website, fitsuccessfuldad.com and also on Stitcher Radio. And again, if you got value out of this, please subscribe in iTunes and send us a review. We really appreciate that. And that's what enables us to reach more people and impact more parents and more people out there looking to generate additional income streams and think a little bit more entrepreneurially uh, in their regular day-to-day life. So again, thanks so much for checking it out and I will catch you in the next episode. Take care.